Harry Ricketts is here for the book review this morning. Uh, morena, Harry. Morena. The Painter's Daughters is by Emily Howes, is it? Or Howes? Howes, I would Howes, say. Howes, I think. thank you. Yep. Yes. Go ahead. Okay, first no- first so novel, I think. First novel, Hatchet... 30, 3799. Why did people I just get say these? 38. I, I defeat <laughs> yes. them every time. Yes. Okay. Anyway, so so the title, The Painter's Daughters, it's it's taken from a pretty famous um uh painting by Thomas Gainsborough, um, the eighteenth century landscape painter uh and portrait artist. And it's it's his two daughters. It's the story. It's the fictionally recreated story of his two daughters, Peggy and Molly. Um, so, yeah. So the title, you know, points us to a particular painting, which you can look up on Google. I certainly did, and and it was rewarding to do that. Um, but it also points to the fact that this is one of those novels which is part of a very admirable, I think, uh, contemporary genre, almost, or subgenre, of fictionally recreating lost women's lives. So um, you're probably familiar out there with m- maybe Margaret Atwood's The Penelopiad, I think I pronounced that right, uh, or Pat Barker's The Women of Troy, or Closer to Home, uh, Mandy Hager's Heloise. Uh, so there's a whole uh, raft of, of of terrific books out there which are trying to, which are kind of aiming to connect us imaginatively um, to, to lives that um, the historical record has erased or underrepresented, you know. So it's a book in that kind of, that kind of vein. Um, it's told from the point of view pr- principally of Peggy, one of the two daughters, um, and Peggy tells us about uh, her childhood with Molly and her parents in near Ipswich and then the move to Bath as her father rises up the social ranks and becomes uh, a serious um, kind of commodity, you know, kind of economic commodity, and then briefly later uh, life in London. So, uh, so that's the principal narrative. Interspersed with that, interestingly, is the story of uh, Peggy's maternal grandmother, Meg. All the names, they're all, all the women are all called Meg. It's it, um, a little confusing at first, but you get used to it. And Meg's story, the maternal grandmother, uh, is is on the record, and she had an illegitimate daughter with. Um, the Duke of Beaufort and has an annuity which may explain why Thomas Gainsborough wanted to marry her um, uh, in addition to any other um, good qualities she had um, and so we get her story told in the third person so we've got, it's a double narrative mainly Peggy's told in the first person but interspersed with Meg's the grandmother told in the third person and and Howes is is strongly pushing uh, the idea that actually uh, Meg is really the illegitimate daughter of Prince Frederick, later George II. So we've got a bit of a kind of shimmer uh, in the background there. So there's lots to like about the novel. 
Um, it certainly takes you into this aspirant lower middle class, but trying to rise into the middle class and and above uh, social world of the mid eighteenth century. Uh, that Bath world, which you know we'll be familiar with to a certain extent from Jane Austen novels, say for instance. Um, it. The, there's the character of the father, the kindly, abstracted, philandering father, Gainsborough, uh, the mother who does all the accounts and obsesses about her, her royal origins. Um, there's the portrait that Rook that reveals itself of Peggy and the, the, the loving but suffocating relationship between the two sisters. Peggy steady, having to kind of cope all the time, and, and Molly, whom we've now described as as having serious mental health issues so um so it's got good characters it's got a good kind of sense of a milieu um the narrative moves along briskly so we switch between these two these two narratives um and you know it's written in a kind of subdued lyrical prose so these are all these are all good positive qualities Is there a bat? There's a little but. Okay, so I'll give you the but, shall I? The but, the but is on the front cover. And uh, the late, great Hilary Mantel was, was asked to, to give a, to give a <coughs> you know, a puff. And her puff reads in full, beautifully written, dot, 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 I raced through it. And... If you think about it, that's slightly more of a backhanded compliment than it appears. Yes, it is a beautifully written novel, no question. But what are the novels we want to race through? Well, pot boilers, thrillers, airport thrillers, thrillers, (laughs) absolutely. But do we want to actually race through a novel which is, you know, um, dealing with serious matters? Perhaps we don't want to race through quite so much there. We might want a more pause, reflect, think about perhaps the recreation of attitudes then and the attitudes now. Perhaps we don't want to race through and we and we want we want to pause partly because we care. So I think this is a sort of two and a bit cheers novel, um, but not a three. Thank you very much for that. Harry Ricketts has reviewed The Painter's Daughters by Emily Howells, published by Hachette, thirty eight dollars the price.